The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Hello again. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I'm your host, Vic Jaramie, here with my producer, Ricky Herrera. Good morning, uh, Ricky, on this Monday morning. Morning, Vic. Uh, Let's get right down to it. Um, There's so much to talk about. There's so much ugliness out there. I want to start with USC's uh, Annenberg School of Communications. Last week, in the midst of the Artsakh genocide, for those that don't know, 10 days ago, after three years of of campaign of violence and uh, disinformation, and hate uh, by the nations of Azerbaijan and Turkey. Ten days ago, they they managed to pull off a, a full-scale genocide, ethnic cleansing, and drive out Armenians of Artsakh who've lived there for millennia. Actually, since 9th century BCE, indigenous people of Armenia. So as this is all happening, uh, USC Annenberg School decided that it's a good idea to... Uh, invite representatives, Turkish and Azerbaijani representatives, for this conference called Role of the Diplomacy in Turkish Foreign Policy. Now, aside from Turkey's hand in uh, massacring Armenians, their Armenian genocide denial, which the U.S. has recognized, Turkey has been slaughtering millions of people in the region, from Syrians to Kurdish, Yazdis, Assyrians, They've been trying to uh, start conflicts with Greece. And of course, they've invaded Cyprus since the 60s. And so the Annenberg School of Communications at USC issued a statement and said, these uh, these matters are highly disputed. Uh, I don't know who they're disputed by, uh, except for the perpetrators of these crimes. And yet, uh, this is this is USC. This is just really ugly. I think they should be just ashamed that not only they didn't apologize and acknowledge, but they uh, doubled down on this just awful, awful event that they held when so many people, so many Armenians in uh, LA and all over the world, but in their own uh, school, uh, are traumatized by what's happened. So shame on USC Annenberg School. Um, moving on. <laughs> You know, today's not going to be very too positive. I'm just going to be even extra blunt. You know, when when someone dies, we have this tendency to, you know, we're told that you you don't speak ill of the of the, the the deceased, etc. Uh, and I and I agree with that to a degree. And uh, my condolences to Senator Fe- uh, Diane Feinstein's family and friends. However, <laughs> record should reflect because we also have a tendency to. Uh, sort of uh, make people who die uh, an icon or put them on a pedestal. But I won't forget uh, that Senator Dianne Feinstein, who uh, enjoyed a lot of support from people in California, uh, especially Armenians, when I reached out to her about two and a half, three years ago about the, the Azerbaijan's attack on Artsakh, 
she replied back with, with a very nonsensical, very um, inappropriate letter, basically saying, oh, she will she will watch for legislation to go through her desk and will look at it. So here we are trying to stop a genocide, which inevitably happened, uh, or I should say it, it ended up happening. Uh, and yet that was uh, Senator Feinstein's dismissive uh, response. And of course, in three years, she never said a word until her last tweet, which was too little, too late. But also on a different you know, note with her, uh, you know, for years and years, she voted alongside Republicans and sometimes alongside extreme, you know, extremist Republicans. Uh, for example, in, in 2007, uh, she joined Republicans in the Senate in voting to modify the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act uh, by narrowing the scope of uh, its protections to sharply alter the legal limits on the government's ability to monitor phone calls and email messages of American citizens. You know, she was, there was, there was there's just so much there. I mean, for example, despite the popularity of single-payer health care, Feinstein dismissed the, the policy, calling it a complete takeover by the government of all health care. She sided with Republicans in supporting or, or support of raising the Social Security retirement age. And she voted in favor of the Patriot Act, which we all know the, the destruction and the damage that that has caused and continues to. So that is the Diane Feinstein that I remember. You know, she did do some great things and, uh, and those should be noted as well. But uh, no one wants to talk about the, the negative things and let's get blunt. So speaking of Republicans, uh, last week, uh, former President Trump was in Anaheim Orange County, a stronghold for uh, Republicans, uh, Republicans and, and fundraising there. Uh, I think you're more familiar with this story, Ricky. Yeah. Last Friday, the GOP held a convention and Trump made an appearance and had some really harsh words for California. I'm paraphrasing him, though, but he essentially said California is a lost state. It's a dumping ground for quote-unquote terrorists, the mentally ill, and uh, he didn't have a lot of nice things to say, particularly in his speech. He was zoning in on the the violent aspect uh, and criminal aspect. Um, he devoted much of his speech to this, and uh, historically, California has been a, uh, a blue state. He's trying to change that. Uh, the rhetoric from this speech was was really eye-popping. I want to read a couple quotes. Um, uh, first of all, he said of, uh, if he's elected president, uh, quote, we will immediately stop all the pillaging and theft. Very simply, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you're leaving that, leaving that store. Wow. Yeah. And um, he went on to say, talking about California, Quote, we will reverse the decline of America and we will end the desecration of your once great state, California. He continued on, this is not a great state anymore. This is a dumping ground. You're a dumping ground. The world is being dumped into California. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, prisoners, thieves, terrorists, mental patients, end quote. Lastly, he told his... Uh, supporters at the convention in Anaheim that health 
help is on the way. So the idea of crime and and as you know, and I'm sure everyone listening, uh, the mainstream media has really highlighted uh, crime the past this past year uh, with with the shoplifting, uh, with major retailers closing their stores uh, in cities like New York and San Francisco. Anyways, Vic, what do you think about Trump's message to his constituents last Friday night? What do I say? It's it's classic Trump. Uh, it's to say that it's not presidential is an understatement. I mean, he's he's talking like a thug, yet accusing everyone of this and that. He's forgetting that how many times he's been indicted. He's forgetting how many crimes of corruption uh, he's committed. What do you say? You just remind him of who he is. He is he is he epitomizes uh, the downfall of everything anything he touches. So with someone like Trump who's a narcissist and, you know, his, his intelligence is just less than, less than average. You just, just laugh and uh, just, you know, I mean, we don't keep our eye out or, or, or eye off of him because uh, never know what he's capable of, but you know, he's, he wanted to turn, he wanted to turn California red in 2020 uh, that was a pipe dream, of course. Uh, California is solid, solid blue. And now he's, uh, he's trying to do whatever he can desperately to perhaps make that happen if he actually ends up being the, the nominee, which is but possible, here, but I doubt it. Here's the thing, Vic. I've mentioned this before on the show in the past. The political landscape, particularly I'd say since Ronald Reagan was in office, I think people are done with it. What Trump does is he brings a different angle to what we know as politics. And I think it worked in 2016, and I'm deathly afraid that this is going to work again. I think that's what he has going for him. I'm, obviously, everything he says is just dangerous in a sense, but I think the angle that he's working is is uh, being uh, cut from a different cloth, if you will. Yeah, a, a, a cloth that's even worse than established <laughs> politics. I'm not a big fan of establishment politics, especially now when uh, so much of what we hear from our elected officials uh, is just political gesturing, rhetoric, sound bites, and just lies. Uh, but <laughs> Trump is not a better alternative. It's a worse alternative. He is... I mean, he's shown us who he is, uh, and I believe him. <sighs> but let's uh, let's move on and talk about the uh, LA County's new zero cash bail plan for nonviolent crimes. Yeah. So speaking of crime, uh, on Friday night, eleven or twelve cities—please don't quote me—filed uh, a motion to stop a zero cash bail bill that w was instated over the weekend for offenders of. Uh, nonviolent crimes, essentially. So we'll keep you updated, but that's kind of what's going on locally in Los Angeles. Vic, before your interview, I know you have some things to say. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. I do let's get blunt segment when there's something really important and I feel like I need to talk about it. And, and there is, there are actually several very important things, but I'm going to talk about the biggest one, which is the fact that Azerbaijan and Turkey finally succeeded in 
carrying out a full-scale genocide against the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, 10 days ago, indiscriminately uh, massacring uh, people in towns and villages, including women and children, uh, which has led to a majority of uh, Armenians from Artsakh to escape from uh, from their from their homeland of millennia uh, and are now refugees in Armenia. Over a hundred thousand people, Vic. Yep, absolutely. And what's really aggravating is that despite this and despite all the reports and everything, the powers that be are still appeasing the authoritarian and dictator leader of Azerbaijan, Aliyev. They're still not uh, calling it what it is. Uh, and some are just kind of mute and absent. Samantha Power, for example, who we've been trying to get her to pay attention to this for three years. Uh, finally, when everything was done and Artsakh fell, uh, she goes to Armenia on a damage control public relations uh, tour for optics <laughs> and offers Armenians like between seven to $11 million of USA. Uh, which they haven't received yet. But the disgusting thing about this is that Samantha Power has been talking about Ukraine on a daily basis, and Ukrainians deserve uh, attention just as much as anyone else. But we've given Ukraine over $200 billion and counting in aid. And this, this massive humanitarian catastrophe that's happening, uh, something that we could have easily prevented. It could have been prevented by a single phone call from President Biden, uh, who, by the way, has not said a word about this in three years. This is a genocide that started uh, at least the, the last wing of it, if you will, on September 27, 2020. And the, the harshest thing we've heard Secretary Blinken say is that he has deep concerns. So... Let's get blunt about this, and that is when it comes to elected officials talking about democracy, human rights, justice, and all that good stuff, uh, they mean that selectively, and nations and individuals and groups that see justice and all of that uh, are the ones that have the money, natural resources, the power, and others are sacrificed for uh, the self-interest of nations and organizations. Uh, in this case, a lot of them that have alliances with uh, Azerbaijan for oil and gas and weapons purchases and being able to access the Iranian border and all of that stuff. So for three years, we've worked to prevent this, this genocide. And we saw it unfold in front of our eyes, which, which was a completely... Uh, preventable, easily preventable, but the will wasn't there. The will wasn't there from the U.S., from U.N., uh, European Union, Council of Europe, OSCE, and on and on and on. And the media, the media failed. The media failed to report on it or report on it accurately, and they still do. So, yeah, there you have it. This is just for now what I'm getting blunt about. Yeah, and for our listeners who don't know, Vic was the mind behind a very powerful documentary called Motherland. 
and motherland lays out everything Vic has been talking about for the last three years, this genocide on people, people just trying to live their life. So for listeners who really want to get a full scope and understanding of this genocidal invasion of Artsakh by Azerbaijan, yes, motherlanddoc.com. Well, thanks for mentioning it, Ricky. Motherland is a documentary feature film uh, that I made uh, in a year and a half after the genocidal invasion of Artsakh by Azerbaijan and Turkey. I interviewed uh, seven members of Congress uh, for it, and uh, Baroness Cox and many other uh, elected officials, experts, eyewitnesses, uh, etc. It's been in 82 film festivals, and it's won 40 awards so far internationally. It's a two-hour documentary people can watch on Vimeo or they can go to the film's website, which is motherlanddoc.com. That's motherlanddoc.com. Uh, and can run it or purchase it. Yeah, it's a film about the, the invasion of Artsakh, uh, which started this uh, genocide of Artsakh, which we just saw in com the completion of now. So it was a three-year process of Azerbaijan and Turkey uh, ethnically cleansing the indigenous Armenians of Artsakh from their uh, historic homeland. Yes, motherlanddoc.com. And Vic, before we get to your interview with Matt Girardi, it's a very informative interview. I hope our listeners stick around for that. Can you tease it a little bit? Give a little insight on what uh, our listeners have to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, basically, Matt's an activist based in DC, and uh, we really talk about what unfolded, the, the Artsakh genocide, some are calling it Armenian Genocide 2023, and the implications that the international community's role, uh, U.S. foreign policy, and all of that. So, yeah, Matt's a it's a very Matt's a very educated and uh, seasoned activist. So it's a really good interview. Yeah. So Vic's interview with Matt Girardi is coming up next. We want to share a friendly reminder that KPFK will be going into a fun drive at midnight tonight. Uh, and it will be running through October. So please, if you can, KPFK, as you know, is a listener-sponsored radio station. Everything helps. Uh, we need your help to stay on the air. KPFK.org, if you'd like to donate, PayPal, credit card, however you want to do it, check out the gifts. Uh, there are incentives for donating, but KPFK, we'd like to think, is the incentive. So we're going to take a break, and up next is Vic Jaramie's interview with Matt Girardi. The Blunt Post with Vic. This is Ed Begley Jr. and you're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and worldwide at kpfk.org. Donating your car or boat is an excellent way to help KPFK stay alive and on air. All you have to do is call 877-KPFK-AUTO. That's 877-KPFK-AUTO, and we'll take care of everything. The Blunt Post with Vic. Matt Girardi is a lifelong activist for social and economic justice. He serves as political and communications director for Amalgamated Transit Union Local 689. He is also a delegate to the Metro Washington, D.C., AFL-CIO, and is on the board of directors of Progressive Maryland. Good morning, Matt, and thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Good, Vic. Thanks so much for having me on. Pleasure is all mine. Appreciate your time uh, all the way from D.C. 
as we as we walk through this uh, you know there's no other word but unbelievable thing that happened we've known for three years now since uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey orchestrated a genocidal uh, invasion of the Republic of Artsakh and brought in jihadist mercenaries from Pakistan, Libya, and, and, and uh, uh, Syria to massacre Armenians. Uh, we've known that the end game for them was to uh, ethnically cleanse Artsakh of its indigenous Armenian population who've lived there for uh, millennia. Uh, and of course, in the last uh, eight plus months, Azerbaijan had uh, blocked the only road leading from Artsakh to Armenia and the rest of the world that was essentially starving Armenians to death, uh, cutting off uh, electricity and uh, heat and internet uh, with no food or medicine. And then finally, of course, about 10 days ago, they went into a military offensive and uh, started massacring people. Hence, you know, Armenians uh, had to leave Artsakh, their homeland, uh, and basically escape to Armenia. And that's that's where we are. And I've I've just been saying that I felt sad, angry, confused. But more than anything, I mean, like I have a sense of disbelief that this actually happened in 2023, that yeah. uh, never again actually happened. Uh, and the world and the international community uh, just watched for the most part and allowed it to happen. Uh, you are an activist. Uh, everything I'm saying, I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. I want our listeners, if they're not familiar with it, to to sort of get a background and context as we what we're about to talk about. So having said that, I'm going to turn it to you and about your perspective and where you are. Sure. So as an Armenian-American activist uh, in Washington, D.C., looking at this from the political side and looking at this um, as a proud American as well, I, I, it's deeply shameful, right? Um, because we have seen what this country and what our people are willing to do um, when presented with these choices um, and when presented with our values, right? We saw it with Ukraine um, and we did the right thing, which was when we saw a Petro dictator um, invading their neighbor, their less powerful neighbor, um, circumventing international law, attempting to rewrite history to fit their own genocidal narrative. We mobilized in solidarity and said, look, this is wrong. This is something that we are not going to tolerate in the 21st century. This is something that we are not going to tolerate um, in our country. We're not going to sit back and continue to get gas from a essentially a fascist regime. Um, now, you could replace Ukraine with Artsakh and Armenia um, and Russia with Azerbaijan and Aliyev and his goons. Um, and you would effectively have a very similar situation. Um, as a matter of fact, Azerbaijan, I believe, scores even lower than Russia does on the Freedom House score, um, something yeah. that's not easy to do, to their credit. Um, so we know that this is within our values as Americans to protect the rights of people to self-determination, to protect democracies, um, and to stop authoritarianism and expansionism before it becomes too late and before we see mass atrocities happening. 
the problem that we're seeing now is just that we are in such a state of denial. Or, and when I say we, I mean our government, unfortunately. And we've seen statements of both sidisms time and time again coming out of the State Department effectively saying, we have two parties, we urge them to resolve this through peaceful resolution, we condemn any violence, while not calling out the aggressor and who the violence is. And I think for a lot of folks who are not as familiar with what has been happening in Nagorno-Karabakh, or as Armenians call it, Artsakh, you know, this isn't just a dispute between two misunderstanding parties. Uh, this is something that's becoming genocide and, and is going completely medieval. Um, we have seen pictures of, frankly, bodies being beheaded. We have seen um, racist propaganda instilled in children. Um, we saw pictures of a female service woman um, who was captured and presumably sexually assaulted. Her body was mutilated and soldiers of the Azeri military sent those pictures using her phone to her children. We saw a sovereign inva invasion of sovereign Armenian territory last year, last September, as a matter of fact. Yep. So, and all of this has come without sanctions, uh, penalties, any kind of recourse for the Azadi government, other than, frankly, occasionally we've gotten statements from some of the Western governments and some of from these international bodies like the United Nations. Thankfully, some of them have gone far enough. I think that there were some pronouncements out of the State Departments. There were some pronouncements out of France in particular, I remembered, but they weren't backed up by concrete policy action. And Matt, let's let's get sorry to cut you off, but let's no, get on here because that's my show. And I'm so tired. I'm so sick and tired of political gesturing by our elected officials. Yes. Rhetoric and sound bites and just garbage. Yes. To what you said, I think considering that Artsakh happened a year and a half before Ukraine. Yes. And the fact that our president, Biden, <laughs> the president I voted for hasn't said a word about it, speaks volumes. Secretary Blinken, the most severe thing he said about this is deep concern. That phrase that gets repeated constantly, which means nothing to me anymore. Just a quick reminder that I'm speaking with uh, Matt Girardi, uh, an activist based in Washington, D.C., and we're discussing this ongoing Artsakh genocide, uh, or as some call it, Armenian Genocide 2023. Yes, France has been the most uh, sort of aggressive in really calling it what it is. But the rest of the world, for the most part, I mean, let's really get real. The rest of the world still appeases Aliyev. I'm reading yes. just today. I'm reading statements from from the Germans and Italians and European Union officials and uh, and UN, and they're still, uh, if they're not both siding this with false balance. They are their statements are so carefully crafted as not to offend Aliyev and Azerbaijan, uh, and that includes, unfortunately, our own State Department and White House. Uh, right. You know, it's just the uh, that's just where we are, and I just feel like I've I've kind of have given up on them. To be honest, I just I just don't think that uh, anything is 
anything is really penetrating, I feel like they know. They know the mm -hmm. facts. They're not stupid. Yeah. But they choose to, for various interests, they choose to appease um, Aliyev and Erdogan. Yeah. Uh, and that's and their allies. And that's just how it is. Yeah, it's not a lack of knowledge anymore. It's just not um, on their part. They are fully aware of what's going on. President Biden ran um, on enforcing, I believe it's Section 907 of the Freedom Support Act, which is a bunch of jargon. But for the listeners here, Azerbaijan is so heinous that it was banned from receiving U.S. aid under the Freedom Support Act. What has happened in recent years, though, is that every president, and this has unfortunately become a bipartisan phenomenon. This isn't just, you know, Republicans do it and Democrats, you know, are, are good on this. No, this is every president, Obama, Bush, um, Trump, now Biden, has waived those provisions and allowed for your and my tax dollars to go over and assist the Azavi military. Um, and, fund, and fund the genocide. Yes, Yes. Um, and President Biden, to his credit at the, that time, ran on enforcing Section 907. So he knew very well during the campaign when he needed Armenian American votes and he needed the votes of people of good conscience who care about peace in this region. He was able to make that statement. But then afterwards, and he got into office, it was almost a slap in the face to the Armenian American community to recognize the genocide one day. And then the very next, I believe to a green week later, a week later. Yeah. A week later. Thank you. To green light military aid to the country that was trying to complete the project that started in 1915. And that's just unacceptable. That's just unacceptable. And frankly, it's incredibly disappointing seeing it now as well because we know that for every other country that has been looking for signals from the U.S. about what they will tolerate and what they will not, this stands not only as a catastrophe for Armenians, but also for other people who are in incredibly precarious situations right now to say, look, the U.S. will call out Russia when they're invading Ukraine. They will call out China when um, they are ethnically cleansing Uyghurs and committing a genocide against Uyghurs. But they will not call out you if you are supplying them oil, if you are closely allied with or supplying um, any kind of fundamental resource to their allies. If it does not have a domestic political constituency, the U.S.'s rhetoric about human rights and self-determination is meaningless. And that's a tragedy because we've seen this before. Um, a lot of people forget that once upon a time for Armenians, Woodrow Wilson is, is viewed as a hero. But I can tell you, for example, at the Paris Peace Conference, a young man approached uh, Woodrow Wilson petitioning for his nation's right to self-determination, um, inspired by his words and by um, his proclamations. And Wilson and the U.S. delegation completely ignored him and effectively told him to go pound sand. That man's name was Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh and Vietnam looked to us originally as the shining example of human rights and of self-determination and of justice and freedom in the world. And when we turn our back on people, whether it's Ho Chi Minh at Paris 100 years ago or Artsakh today, people look at America's leadership and they say, 
the U.S. is full of it. They're just using this to couch their own geopolitical aims and strategies and selectively apply. And, and that's shameful as an American. That's deeply shameful um, because in my view, um, as a proud American, um, what makes this country great is the ideas that it stands behind. And when we fail to give life to those, to fulfill that promise, it, it makes our entire project void, meaningless. And that's a tragedy for all. Absolutely. Just a quick reminder that I'm speaking with uh, Matt Girardi, uh, an activist based in Washington, D.C., and we're discussing this ongoing Artsakh genocide, uh, or as some call it, Armenian Genocide 2023. What, what now? You know, I think that we, as Armenians, as people of good conscience, the first thing is first, we have to make sure that everybody who is having to relocate, um, being chased out of Artsakh, fearing for their lives right now into the Republic of Armenia, um, is given um, safe conditions, um, safe housing, stable food, um, is able to find employment and that these people do not become a permanent underclass, um, as we have seen so many times for so many other people who have had to become refugees. Um, that is unacceptable. That is unthinkable. Uh, there are a number of really great organizations that are doing incredible work on the ground right now. Um, I'm sure, Vic, that you can uh, follow up with your listeners about them. One of them that I know of is the Armenian Relief Society. I know that there are a number of others as well. Knights of Artan um, has the tools for schools. There is the yes. Um, there is uh, Armenia now. There's Osnabor Foundation. Yes. There. Um, there are definitely a lot. Uh, Put Children First is great. Yes. Paros Foundation, the Paros Foundation. Very good, very good things about the Paros Foundation. Absolutely. So making sure, first things first, let's make sure that as these folks get into the Republic of Armenia, um, that they don't become a permanent underclass, that they're not forgotten, that we don't leave them behind. Um, that's the first thing that comes to mind, but... And I think that we should take the time to fully understand what is happening here to make sure that the world recognizes it, that our officials call it out. But thereafter, you know, I think that one of the things that we have to do is make sure that the U.S. Um, begins to finally fulfill its commitments, especially as it's it's attempting to step into the role that Russia had unfortunately filled in the region, which was as the mediator. Um, and as the arbiter um, of these But it was conflicts. so clear that the U.S. was sort of, obviously everyone was aware of this, this was going to happen. When I say everyone, oh, we weren't aware. The, 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 I think U.S. was aware, Russia was aware. Yes. And they waited until this genocide was completed in a way, although it's yes. still kind of going on. But And then all of a sudden, Samantha Power, who's been absent for three years, uh, the woman who supposedly tried to get the President Obama to recognize the Armenian genocide and failed. And, yeah. and just so people know, President Obama as candidate, the senator, had promised and signed a paper saying he's going to recognize the Armenian genocide. He did not. It was a huge betrayal. Samantha Powers has said that she tried to make that happen. It didn't work. A few years ago, she went to Armenia. She went to the, the genocide memorial, etc. But yet, when this genocide started three years ago, uh, she was nowhere to be seen. 
she was yes. not. Of course, when Ukraine happened, she was very vocal about it and still is. And then this whole thing happens, uh, which doesn't look good for the U.S. because Secretary Blinken for three years has been saying Armenians can live side by side with Azerbaijanis. And here we have Azerbaijanis, literally the entire nation is being taught from from elementary school up that, you know, killing Armenians is like an honor. And yeah. and 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 it did happen. So they send Samantha Power to do some damage control public relations for optics. Yeah. Uh, and we're supposed to sort of be grateful uh, and con- considering that Ukraine has received over 200 billion with a B of U.S. taxpayer help, the the what is it? I think it, it they have different amounts between seven to 11 million offered to Armenia in such a catastrophe. Yes. It's really laughable. Yes, it's really laughable. So Samantha Power, if you're listening, you're probably not. But if you are, let's get blunt. I mean, give us a break. Just a quick reminder that I'm speaking with uh, Matt Girardi, uh, an activist based in Washington, D.C., and we're discussing this ongoing Artsakh genocide, uh, or as some call it, Armenian Genocide 2023. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, which is why I think that it falls on us. Again, Vic, like you said before, they know that this is happening. They have the intelligence assets. They have the information. They have the daily briefings. They know that this is happening. We need them to act. And I think the only way that folks are going to act at this point is if we collectively raise our voices to them and say this is unacceptable. Say that you have to do something about this, especially because it is betraying our values, is undercutting what we are saying about Ukraine, is undercutting what we are saying about human rights everywhere else in the world. Um, if you continue to do this, they spent so far. I know that they offered 11 million. I'm not sure if a single penny has hit the bank um, by the time we are talking and by the time this airs. Um, they have spent more money on sending photographers over to Armenia than they have on human rights assistance and human assistance on the ground in Artsakh over the past three years. Yeah. Um, that is unacceptable. Um, and the more that people say that, and even the more that folks say that without Armenian last names, frankly, too, um, because I think they know that the Armenian community cares about this, but they're not sure that folks outside of us do, um, all the better, because it's just, it's unbelievable. And they have to understand that they're going to have consequences to that. They're going to go beyond just ticking people off in Glendale or in Watertown, Massachusetts. This is something that strikes at the core of the American spirit um, and is in the history of it. Um, Listen, the Near East relief campaign across the United States during the Armenian genocide was huge. Churches across this country, um, not just Armenian churches, but Episcopal, Lutheran, um, Presbyterian, um, what have you, collected drives to make sure that folks were able um, to get out of there, to fund schools for orphans, to book safe passages out of genocidal Ottoman Turkey. So this is something that is deeply ingrained in us. This is a tradition that we have. And Americans ourselves, I believe, are a fairly generous people with this and understand that when this issue hits the light of day, we do well on it. When it happens behind closed doors with diplomats within the State Department who are a a little bit more um, separated from public pressure, that's when things go wrong. So bringing this to the light of day, also making sure that our press 
address it correctly. Um, I've seen a lot of the press talking about this in, in really, um, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm trying to hold back the language here, um, uh -huh. but really, really, really uh, cow dung manner um, in saying Armenian separatists um, or something along the lines. Very, very lazy. I mean, I've been addressing this yes. for years. Lazy, ill-researched, yes. bias, regurgitating yes. Azerbaijan's propaganda. Yep. Uh, and lies. Uh, and then at times, you know, they just seem to be on the same page as them, uh, because as as we know, Azerbaijan in the last uh, three decades has spent billions with a B. Uh, yeah. And OCCRP's uh, Azerbaijan laundromat will tell you this, uh, trying to lobby and has lobbied the US, Europe and other nations uh, as well as representatives from European Union, Council of Europe, OSCE, CSTO, um, as well as media companies. So, you know, they set up what they call, quote unquote, uh, strategic partnerships with uh, New York Times, CNN, BBC and LA Times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they can shape the, the editorial narrative. And so, you know, I've called them out, too. I mean, it's uh, yeah. from, you know, like I hate when they say, ethnic Armenians. It's like, no, Armenians in Artsakh were not ethnic. They were the indigenous. Yes. Or or when they don't, they say Nagorno-Karabakh. And I'm like, that was a Soviet relic name given by the Soviets, half Turkic, half Russian. It's Artsakh. Yes. We have yes. proof going back to 9th century BCE <laughs> that it was called Artsakh. So yes. do your homework and call it what it is. Uh, I've, I've called out, uh, I don't know, countless uh, journalists and media outlets uh, for doing this for their for their wording for their um, for their mistakes, including Associated Press and AP. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Associated Press and Reuters. Um, you know, uh, and I've reached out to press clubs and journalism organizations and sent them very comprehensive documents saying these are the facts. Do your own homework. Don't believe me, but this is it. Just a quick reminder that I'm speaking with uh, Matt Girardi, uh, an activist based in Washington, D.C., and we're discussing this ongoing Artsakh genocide, uh, or as some call it, Armenian Genocide 2023. It's remarkable, but, but when you watch what happened at Ukraine and how everyone got it right, yeah. it's like, oh, so they can do it if they want to. Yes, Right. I mean, exactly. they can actually do some research and get the story right, but they just don't want to. As a Guardian reporter once wrote, Ar Armenians are just not West enough and they're not white enough. And she was she did a story about Ukraine and Armenia and did a comparison. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, she went into geopolitics and natural resources and all of that. But at the sure. end, she really narrowed it down to Armenia is just not West enough or white enough for us to have cared. Yeah, and there's not a geopolitical interest per se there, other than appeasing Turkey, unfortunately, um, yeah. has been the tagline. It's been why the longest running, you know, genocide, official policy of genocide denial um, in this country, perhaps only, you know, next to our own against the Native Americans and indigenous people of this country, right. um, you know, was Turkey. Um, and us saying the Armenian, you know, also, the also the, of 1915, you also know, the black experience. I think the black experience yes. has not been ac uh, accurately and uh, acknowledged. 
accurately and also um, adequately. Some yes. have, but as a nation, we're still grappling with that. No, we don't. But the fact that remains that we've never even seen, and I think that that we still, you know, we don't teach per se the Armenian genocide in, in history textbooks. We, that's not even talked about in World War One. The same way that correctly the atrocities of Nazi Germany are talked about in every single World War II unit, you know? And so it's a matter of public education. It's a matter of public consciousness about the fact that one of the founding myths of Turkey um, and one of the founding myths of Azerbaijan, that this genocide didn't exist, feeds into anti-Armenian propaganda, um, anti-Armenian attitudes, and violence against Armenians today in 2023. Um, so countering that, making sure that journalists are using the correct language going forward, calling them out as they continue to cover this unfortunate humanitarian crisis that we, by the way, we had every uh, opportunity to stop. You know, those are going to all be important because if there's one thing, you know, I come from the labor movement that I've learned is that, you know, the counter to organized money is organized people. It's people power. Okay. And I believe, again, that when these issues are brought to light, when people understand that the original, you know, you're talking about how Artsakh has had, you know, archaeological evidence. I can tell you the original uh, school where Mesro Mashtots um, taught and translated the Armenian language into the Armenian alphabet, the first Armenian school in the world has now fallen into Azerbaijan's hands. Which will um, likely be demolished if, you know, yes. history has taught us Azerbaijan has been demolishing any existence of Armenian uh, people from any land they occupy, churches, monasteries, cemeteries, you name them. Yes, it will either be that or it will be deemed Caucasian Albanian. Um, or turned into a mosque. Or turned into a mosque, yes. Yeah. So this is undisputable has is part of the DNA, the fabric of the Armenian nation. Um, and we need for folks to understand that. We need for folks to speak out. We need for folks um, to continue to join your local Armenian organizations um, in your area to be part of this movement, to be part of making sure that human rights apply to all. Because yes, it's it can't extend to one region without the other. Um, again, I'm going to dip into my, you know, labor movement and roots here. Like a threat to one is a threat to all, right? That's, that's what solidarity is all about, is that when you start cracking at one part of it, whatever the enemy is, whether it's racism or fascism, um, that starts eating somewhere, but eventually it will come to your doorstep. Yeah. And we need to be united at the point when we can stop it, when we can stop these early budding. And Azerbaijan and Turkey, frankly, they have they have the money, they have the resources um, to continue putting out propaganda and try to lobby. But we have the facts, we have the history, we need the people. So that means that all everybody listening now, whatever local Armenian organization you can get in touch with, um, we need you. We need you Absolutely. now. Absolutely, we need our allies. Uh, and if you need more information or resources, you can go to truthandaccountabilityleague.org, uh, truthandaccountabilityleague.org, uh, and, uh, and read up the articles. They are uh, 
all kinds of resolutions and media resources, etc. Just a quick reminder that I'm speaking with uh, Matt Girardi, uh, an activist based in Washington, D.C., and we're discussing this ongoing Artsakh genocide, uh, or as some call it, Armenian Genocide 2023. Uh, Matt, we can talk about this forever, but we're limited with time. Is there a question I should have asked you but did not, or anything you want to add? No, I, I think that, that, thank you so much for having me on, first and foremost. You're right, we could talk about this for hours. Um, the history of it is long and unfortunately painful for the Armenian people. Um, but one thing I will say, just going forward, is that, you know, unfortunately, after a century ago, after the the first Armenian genocide, and I can't believe those words are passing through my mouth. A lot of us were so hurt as a community, um, as a country, as a nation that we couldn't talk about it, that we thought that action was hopeless. We don't have that option at this point because going forward, I, I went over the actions that we need to take um, to make sure that people know about this and that the United States honors its commitments um, to Armenia and Armenians across the world going forward. We already see state broadcast in Azerbaijan calling the capital of Armenia, Yerevan, historic Azeri territory. They are trying to force through a military corridor through southern Armenia. So this, unfortunately, is not just an Artsakh issue. This is a whole Armenia issue and the issue of our nationhood and our statehood. And we need to continue to fight for it. All of us. I'm because united. again... Yes, we have to be united um, because that's first and foremost. That's first and foremost is um, the survival of a people, the survival of a culture depends on it. And again, it signals to the rest of the world. It signals to every two-bit dictator or wannabe dictator and their goons that if they can do this, like Hitler said, if nobody remembers the Armenians, who will remember what we do? And that is not the example that we can set to the rest of the world right now, especially when we see so many dangerous um, echoes of fascism, of authoritarianism, of that era coming back in our day and age. We have to stop it right here, right now, draw the line. Matt, thank you for uh, being on the show, for uh, sharing your wisdom. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Would be my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Vic. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.